0: You're listening to the We're Talking Drums podcast with your hosts, Derek Doucette and Corey Hoffey.
1: This week's episode of We're Talking Drums is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Today on We're Talking Drums, we are joined by a very special guest. His career started in Germany, studying under mentor Alex Landenberg. At the age of 18, he started performing professionally internationally touring and recording with bands such as Cauldron, Skullfist, Enforcer, and Old James. He is a drum teacher. He is a two-time Juno-nominated artist. He has toured North America, South America, Europe, Japan, Mexico. This guy has gone everywhere and done everything. He is a proud endorser of Marat Darrell cymbals, Mapex drums, Los Cabos Drumsticks, Remo Drumheads, and he also has his own drum book and course coming out soon. So without any further ado, I present to you Chris Stevenson. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good, good. Dude, guys, thanks
2: so much for having me. Like, I'm super stoked.
0: Man, thanks for for coming on, man. chatting with us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, Like I said before... You guys are like a power duo when it comes to podcasts. Like this is gonna be the best drumming podcast
1: of all time.
0: Power power couple. Yeah. Power couple, right,
2: man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it all got started because uh me and Derek just couldn't stop talking about gear and drums anytime we got together and Yeah, it it, was like it was 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 like a problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was annoying to everyone around us and it's just like, why don't we actually just sit down and and do this without anyone else around? Yeah. And uh let people who care uh listen to it. So Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think yeah. this is a great idea, That's guys. It, this is awesome. <laughs> you
0: know what's funny is I feel like it actually hasn't like made us talk about drums less whenever we're talking like elsewhere. <laughs> oh
2: yeah, like aside from the podcast you're still just talking drums and <laughs> Yeah,
0: pretty much. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Anytime we hop on the phone it's like we should just be recording this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> <so>. that's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. All right, so dude, let's get right into this. Um you've been playing drums for quite some time, yep. you know? Uh mm-hmm. you've gone through many unique drum setups. Uh, oh, we yeah. love to talk about gear on this podcast. So I want to hear about how you went about taking your kick drum, turning it sideways, making it into a floor drum and a kick drum at the same time.
2: Yeah. So, like, you know, it's one of those that things. blew
1: where... my mind.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like um, i had actually never seen it done before, even though it had been, you know, it was one of those things where I was just like, yeah. Kind of getting bored with my drum setup, and Mapex gave me a kit that was like there was too many toms. I didn't need that that many, so there was like a sixteen by sixteen, and I just had this idea of like, oh, I want to be different, you know? I just want to be different. So like, I engineered a pedal where I reversed the chain drive to swing upwards. But I had to take the entire thing apart to do this, and the only pedal that really worked was a Tama Iron Cobra because um, all the other companies have like different. Pieces that stick under the bottom or whatnot with with the left beater, for a double pedal. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I just like started fucking around with it, and I went to uh, Dave's drum shop, and he helped me like kind of figure it out. So yeah, reverse the chain drive, and then uh, and that pedal can never go back to normal, basically. Uh, but with <laughs> the with the floor tom, like um, I just got a Dave ordered me like a sixteen inch uh, like, like uh, yeah just bass drum. Uh, skin. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And then, (laughs) uh, and then just like a a powder coated um, remo for the top. Uh, Just, it has a bit more thickness and that really helped with the sound. Um, and, And I put a ring on the inside as well for the beater and just like a little towel. But what, what happened was like, I was just getting bored and I had this idea and it worked. It actually worked. It was just the problem was when I ever played live or I was in the studio a 16-inch kick mm-hmm. drum just doesn't give the the same kind of oomph that's necessary unless you have, like, a subwoofer. So, like, that that was my next kind of, you know, endeavor. But basically, yeah. like, I just had so many recording gigs and gigs to do that I didn't want to, like, piss off the band. <laughs> so I, I just started using a twenty-two. Anyways, yeah, the, the idea just came from, like, curiosity. And so I did that. Um, and then I found out that, like, Tommy Lee used to do it. Then there was this Canadian, like heavy metal drummer back in the '80s that used to do it with two bass drums, but full bass drums. He used to play the tops and bottoms. That's so cool. I can't oh, remember wow. the name of the band, but there's some dude from Canada that used to do it. They they weren't very popular, but he uh, he kind of coined it back then.
0: That's, That's pretty sick, cool, man. So yeah. I'm really interested in how, uh, like, how did the pedals feel? Like, were they that different compared to <laughs> standard pedals?
2: That's a really good question because, yeah, they actually felt so much different and I had to change a lot of my technique. So I had to do more heel toe for doubles
0: because like there wasn't
2: as much swing and give. So I had to use like the whole karate chop kind of technique to give it power, you know, to get like a nice solid hit. So it did change my technique a bit, but it actually made it a bit more efficient. So when I went back to uh, normal pedals, I wasn't swinging my legs as much. You know, like you know how you guys do doubles and and really fast kick and stuff. Mm-hmm. You guys would probably yeah. like the upwards um, setup, just because like there's not as much motion. But you guys are really good with the power, you know, and endurance type of thing. See, that so means, that's kind of what it did for me.
0: That's really interesting because I find I actually um, when I play, I'm kind of the, I, I'm not that great with a lot of power. Like I I rely on the swing of my pedals and like okay. the weight. So I, there's part of me that feels like. I might actually really suck with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Like it's something that like one day I'm going to have to come down to the GTA and I'll bring that setup because I still have it and we'll, we'll just, you know, fuck around and Oh and, man, yeah, that would be, be great. F- so was, I was
0: watching a um I was watching a drum kit tour video that you have on YouTube and you said how people hate like playing your drum kit and all I could think of was like, man, I want to I want to try that so much. It looks so fun. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Uh, I remember, you guys know Eric uh, from Suffocation, Eric Marotti? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, he uh, he hit me up one day, and he's just like, dude, can I please try that? <laughs> you know, and like, <laughs> so that was a lot of fun, because he does a lot of like, it's like one sixteenth note at a time, separated between four limbs, you know, like, one oh, yeah. and a two, yeah, like, right hand, right foot, left hand, left foot, really fast, so it just
1: sounded fucking crazy, you know, when he was going on the... Base kick thing
0: oh well, yeah yeah he's cool.
1: he's crazy man and he's all double strokes too when it comes to like fast 16ths and everything yeah yeah so, exactly yeah did that work for him did that pedal setup work for 16th though? yeah it
2: still still worked yeah and, and he actually like he taught me bleed um you know like the pattern for that and he said oh, that yeah. it worked <laughs> a lot better for him so yeah, it was like uh, it was really interesting when we when we jammed. But like, out of all drummers, I was surprised he came over and being like, "Oh, I fucking love it," <laughs> you know? Because like, <laughs> you know, uh, it it is a very different setup for sure, and feels weird. yeah,
0: right. yeah. To say the the least, <laughs> yeah. I so, should bring so, it
2: back though, because it is different, you know.
0: Like oh, totally. Or even like, just use those pedals with a floor tom, like, and a bass yeah. drum.
2: Dude, good point.
0: Like, if I had it
2: going over to the right or something
0: yeah Ah, nice derek
2: the engineer when (laughs) in when in doubt do both (laughs) (laughs) good point yeah like i'd have to like swing over to do it
0: but it's totally possible like why not absolutely yeah i'm curious too um do you have anything that like mounts the floor tom down so that doesn't move or is it just sitting there
2: yeah, so that was also very interesting. So actually in in going back to what you just said, I actually, if you look at old pictures, I'll actually send you guys a picture over email so you can see. I actually had like the 16 by 16 as my main kick with the double pedal. So like the left pedal is right next to my hi-hat, but then I had another pedal with just the left beater that was beside the right pedal underneath the floor tom that went underneath my 14-inch tom and underneath the 22 by 18 bass drum.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So then I had another pedal hitting that, and I was playing the top of that too. So I had like a gong drum and like this big ass bass drum. Like I, I still had like for heavy parts, I could play the 22 because the left pedal was right beside my right pedal for the 16 oh, that's cool. by 16. So, that, wow. so yeah, I was able to use both sounds. I just wasn't able to do double pedal on the 22. Um, but that was really unique. That was really cool. Um, but then going back to what you just asked, I went through like at least two years of playing around with this cause no one had really done it. Like it had been done in the past, but there was nothing documented. So I did everything from like taking a practice pad, um, kick, um, like, you know, just a rubber pad
0: Yeah, like and they're the on part? like,
2: like Yeah. And the, the old mounts are on like, um, they have spikes going into the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I just took that off and I used the bottom plate of that. Used that for a while. It kind of worked. Um, but my kick drum was still bouncing. Then when I was at NAMM like two years ago, I met, um, one of the guys that helped design Roland, um, his name's, uh, Randall May and he designed, uh, uh, May microphones. So they're internal microphones him and I got chatting and I told him about this idea and he offered me a deal uh, with his microphone company um, or sorry, it's not a microphone company. It's all like it's an engineering company for drums. And he also cool. designed the new Mapex, like uh, you know, that floating system that they
0: have. Oh yeah. yeah, Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. He's the nice. guy that designed that. So um, that's what helped keep the 16 by 16 in place when I was kicking upwards so much that I didn't even need anything. I put grip tape on the bottom of my pedal and um or no uh, not grip tape but uh like velcro yeah velcro yeah so velcro on the carpet and then velcro on my pedal That kept it in place perfectly but the internal microphones it's on like a a monorail system it's called so you can move Mm -hmm. the the microphones from the inside and it slides Mm -hmm. on this rail um but yeah basically it's heavy enough that it keeps it nice and solid and then i also got really heavy wooden hoops so that even when i'm kicking up it doesn't move at all so it's like nice oh, and nice. solid.
1: Yeah. So it's just the the weight that you have on within the kick drum that holds it down.
2: Exactly. Yeah. But it's all yeah. things that, okay. that require it for the sound and having the internal mics really help with the sound as well. So like there's one mic pointing up to like the top part and one mic mm-hmm. perfectly in phase with the bottom part. I just can't really play them at the same time or else it, you know, messes up the sound. But um
0: yeah yeah, yeah I can see that that's okay yeah. just stick to some linear drumming and we're set
2: that's it exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> all day
0: I, yeah, the whole I, like I, hand and foot
2: thing that yeah you know how all the drummers do yeah. that like <laughs> yeah.
0: man I love that I keep trying to practice that and for some reason my right foot does not want to be like if I'm doing like right hand right foot my right foot yeah. does not like to follow it wants to be on one not on the and
2: exactly uh, yeah so I usually
0: it's just technology. use my left foot for that stuff. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, totally. But, like, it's funny because, like, everybody's doing that now. I see single pedal people doing that. Like, it's
0: crazy. Yeah, like, um, what's the guy's name? Alessio something something. Yeah, Um, the Spanish drummer. Yeah. Oh, my God, he's amazing. That guy's good.
2: That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Have you seen this guy, Corey? I I don't know if I have. Oh, my God, I'll send you uh, some videos. He's, like, just, I mean, he makes me feel so bad about myself. And because uh, <laughs> he's like <laughs> so good,
2: I know it's crazy, man. Like, there's something in the water over there. I have no idea. Like,
0: yeah, it's nuts. Um So, uh I just, I guess, you know, we could go on about gear for this entire episode. Um I'm <laughs> Yeah, very. I'm, I'm sure we could. Okay, cool I'm that. very. <laughs> I'm very curious about like that internal mic system that you have. <clears throat> um, yeah. You're, you, uh, are you still rocking, uh, is, is it Mur- I'm going to butcher the name Murat Daril symbols.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I still have Murat Daril and, cool. um, yeah, I mean, I, I love those symbols so much. Cause like before them, I was a huge fan of Minel cause of the dark sounding symbols. Mm-hmm. Then I found out like when they came to Canada, I just saw some ads for them and I checked them out. Cause I'm like, Oh, I love Turkish symbols. And then I found out that Murat Daril actually, um, designed the Byzance series for Meinl. So he's like, he invented that and then sold it to Meinl. So Ooh. he basically, the wow. the whole marat line is all of his favorite sounds that he never like gave away.
0: So oh, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. It's like, I mean, they're like, yeah, they're pricey symbols, like for sure, you know, they're handmade. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. for like the beginner drummer or whatever. It's like, you know you each pie is like a golden pie it's yeah. like the greatest sounds i've ever experienced ever so i'm really happy for sure
0: yeah I re- well i remember kind of geeking out whenever we played on shredders together and i just like kept like looking over and like touching your cymbals and stuff being <laughs> like oh my god they're so pretty and um yeah <laughs> I, I, feel <laughs> like,
2: <so> <laughs> I feel like
0: i break cymbals so often that i'd almost feel bad for playing them
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, I've broken two of these. So that sucks, because I have to send them back to Istanbul or not Istanbul. They're like a bit outside of Istanbul. But like, I have to do that. And there's the the like, I still get my artist costs, but then there's shipping and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things yeah. that like, mm-hmm. it's the type of company that you need to be with if you really want to be. You know like i've had other drummer buddies being like oh yeah i'd love to but then when it comes to the warranty and all that kind of stuff they complain so i'm like you have to really love the sound in the company you know yeah to to have a specific one like that Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that was why that was a big reason why i didn't go with them because I would love them for certain projects, Mm -hmm. but also with how dark they are, like a lot of the stuff I do, I want those like bright Sabian sounding. Totally. Yeah. You know? And, and I just, I know that I would break them all the time too. (laughs) So uh, I'm just, I was just like, you know what? Like I was in talks with them and they seem like fantastic company, but I, you know, I, I, I would love to use them for like the Johnny, no cash and Celtic outlaws. Totally. Yeah. They work, fantastic yeah but uh like crimson Shadow shadows any of the metal stuff i i feel like the brighter symbols uh just that's the sound that i want and i love sabian so yeah i'm just gonna stick with that yeah, yeah.
2: well dude it's a funny story because as soon as i got them i said to our producer here in ottawa i'm like uh, so i was hired to do a metal project and um i was like dude like wait till you hear these symbols like i'm stoked and then when he heard them he was just like dude, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to use the studio ones, which, you know, we're saving because he's like, this yeah. is not appropriate for what we're doing. But in my mind, it's like dark metal. But to a producer's ear, it's like, no, he wants bright sounding cymbals. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that makes 100%. sense, you know? And uh, yeah. yeah, but, you know, I play like a, a fusion style, you know, like a lot of different mm-hmm. styles. So they're perfect for what I I do. And and everybody so cool at the company, they're so nice. They're like the nicest people in the world. So. Yeah.
0: I'm That's very awesome. Happy. It's interesting because I had yeah, exactly. a similar situation to what Corey was talking about. Um after Shredder's a company reached out to me. It was um Sam Samsung. I'm probably butchering their name again. i keep doing oh, that. Oh yeah. Samsung symbols. And uh yeah. they actually looked really cool and they had a lot of interesting options. But my problem was that I'd have to be exclusive. And I play like I got like 16 symbols on my kit, you know, and I was like, man, yeah, yeah. I can't like, you know, COVID is just like a thing now. I'm not <laughs> working. I can't afford to buy all these symbols, as much as I would love to.
2: Yeah. Oh, totally. So, you
0: know, I had to pass, and uh, right now I, I would love to like get some. I mean, I always want new gear. You know, that's the secret to happiness. We've talked about that. In exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's it.
2: Yeah. But I'm, and that's what makes you guys like, or all of us professional drummers like we don't just hop on things either, you know, we're like selective and we know, we know how to like play the game correctly, you know, and not take advantage Hmm. of companies or, you know, just hop on the first thing. It's like, we love gear, we love drumming and we know what we want, you know? So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And we like, for me anyways, and most people that I know, um, they want to be a part of a family within their endorsement. They don't want to just like grab a bunch of free or cheap gear and bail. You know, they want someone who's going to support them and then they can, support the company as well in the whole process you know like Los Cabos is is like I've been with them for eight years now yeah and I wouldn't even dream of playing uh, any other drumsticks (laughs) yeah dude not only do like (laughs) I love their sticks but I love the company I love Phil and Steph and like everyone there is just like incredible yeah so totally you know that's a that's a huge part of it, and like anybody who just tries to get with a company to get some cheap or free stuff, and then like that's, you know, they, that's not what this is all about here. Of you course, know? yeah, that's it so. uh, exactly.
0: Yeah,
2: and Derek, what, what are I, you playing right now in terms of sticks?
0: So I've been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am not endorsed with sticks, so I've been, uh, and I think I've talked about this recently. Maybe uh, I've been playing Vic Firth metal sticks for a couple of years. Oh yeah, um, and, and I love how they feel and that's why Corey's been trying to like push me towards uh, Las Cables for quite a yeah. while uh, and I've been resisting because I love how these sticks feel but recently they've been breaking like crazy on me and yeah. I've decided like no you know what I'm going to go back and I'm going to try some of those red hickory rock sticks and see because like I have tried them before but I kept going back and uh, I think that I think that it's time <laughs> you know yeah but right now um all of my sticks are broken or at the jam space and so i'm in my apartment with my electric kit and i'm actually playing a set of sticks i found on the side of the street <laughs> no way yeah That's i awesome. found like a full i found a full <laughs> stick bag full of like sticks and brushes and stuff and there's like no one around no, and i'm like wait what
2: I, like on was, the street
0: yeah, yeah i was walking <laughs> i was walking my dog in my old neighborhood and then i'm just like hey there's some stuff and it also there was also like a um Oh, what else was there? There was a little Yamaha gig baggy thing, but it was a fully stocked stick bag. It had like a hi-hat clutch and a bunch of drum keys and stuff, and, yeah. and it was just out in the side like a pile of garbage. So, Dude,
2: just yeah. some random I'm, drummer walking around, carrying his bag, drops it, and <laughs> I know. you come and along. And
0: then, of course, I walk by and find it. And so I'm using a set of sticks that I found in there, <laughs> and I think they're like five Bs. They feel like toothpicks compared to what I'm used to, but yeah, uh, it's been a while since i played... <laughs> Like the metal sticks, and I'm just, I need to get to, uh, like a Longham McQuaid or something to pick up some, some red hickory rock sticks just to try them out. But, yeah, you know, these days I it's mean, hard to get out, you know.
2: One thing you could do too is like, um, you know, if Corey introduces you to Phil, I know like they might send you like a box of different kinds, you know, for you to try out oh, if you're like, like considering it.
0: I do like, boxes well,
2: I just placed.
1: I just placed an order and I I added in some of the red hickory rock sticks to toss his way. This way. This guy. Yeah. He's such a peach, Test him out, see how you like him. And, (laughs) uh, you know, maybe we can get you on board here.
2: Yeah. Dude, that'd be sick, man.
1: Well,
0: I'll keep you guys posted.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, like, I actually, when I was 18 and I joined Cauldron in Toronto, um, I got a deal with uh, Vic Firth um, for, like, we did a few like really big tours with like nevermore and death angel and then um damn like and then municipal waste back then and like Mm. um so yeah vic firth because i was in that band you know they gave me a deal but dude in that tour i remember like 24 like yeah 24 pairs broke within like 12 shows and i was using the extreme 5b i think and like Then I went to a local like St. John's music here in Ottawa. And I I told this story to Los Cabos like back then, because it it was true. Like this guy, Sandy Hunter, he was like one of the first indoor seas. this was in 2009, I think. And like he, um, yeah, he gave me a pair of Los Cabos and I went home and I tried them and I played a few shows with Cauldron in Toronto and like they lasted me forever. And that's why I was like, I'm going to go with this company. And so I actually dropped Vic Firth and they were like, you know you're never coming back if you do this you know oh. and then i've been with los cabos since and it was just like it was funny because it was like a huge it wasn't that big of a decision but it was just kind of like oh i'm leaving like one of the biggest or the biggest drumstick company of all time for yeah, arguably yeah
0: for sure yeah
2: but soon los cabos will be
1: <laughs> but I mean, I, <laughs> when we
0: all really, clearly you don't regret the decision <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, not at all. Like they're they're literally like family to me now. Um, so well they always have been, you know. But like, um, yeah, they're just such a great company as well, and like the sticks are solid.
0: So nice. Well, you heard it, everybody. Lost Cabos for the win. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so we've got um, maybe we should how much time we have here. We got a little bit of time left. So we've got some uh, a questionnaire that we sent you. Maybe we should go over that. Mm -hmm. And uh, chat about some of these things, Um, and then I do want to get into a bit of a lightning round, which we had chatted about before. We all hit record. Yeah, Corey hasn't even heard these questions, (laughs) so I hope that he. I don't even know what they are. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I'll let Corey answer the questions as well. So, um, (laughs) let's just should we just go through and read some of these here? Um, So you've been playing for eighteen years. I think I don't know if you mentioned that already, Corey. will probably say that in the intro. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I I mentioned yeah, yeah. before that I
2: had long hair for 18 years, but it, you know, coincided with my uh, drumming.
0: <laughs> well, that's usually what happens. You start drumming, you stop grooming yourself.
2: Exactly. That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's it. I didn't have this beard before I started drumming. Yeah, you yeah. Know, <laughs> just grew then we no, listened to heavy metal. The metal and... beats got faster. I was like yeah. a sweet you know, little kid before off. I started that's drumming. Awesome. Now look at me. <laughs> Now you're a man.
0: Greasy, <laughs> <A> <laughs> disgusting man.
1: That's awesome.
0: Um, so uh, we have one of what was the most memorable tour? I've got this in a horrible font. I can barely read it. An accomplishment? It's like a dark gray font on a dark gray background. <laughs> God, you're you're we're for, doing great. We're, we're so Just professional. Keep... <laughs> That's you up.
2: Up. Sorry, can you repeat the
0: question? <laughs> well, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> What was uh, the most memorable tour and or accomplishment in your career?
2: Okay, yeah. Now I have to remember what I wrote down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to cross reference this. Yeah. So like the most memorable, memorable tour was the last one I did. And like, that's where like a huge career shift decision happened in my life during the pandemic and stuff too, because I really like, I'm still going to play shows in the future and, and teach and, like I'm still a drummer. Like I always will be, you know? Um, but I think my, my, my main interest has always been in teaching, you know, with my book and all that stuff. And like, but when it came to touring, like I had done a few tours where like I started getting depressed on tour. I wasn't really feeling it even when I was in front of all those people and stuff. It was just really weird. And, uh, and I just kind of wanted to go home and do my own thing, you know, like do my own studying, my own practicing yeah. and not just playing the same thing every night. But then this last tour I did with um, Enforcer from Sweden. Um, I mean, those guys are all like brothers to me. And then we toured with Municipal Waste again. And it was really interesting because we started in November, 2020. Um, or sorry, 2019, November, 2019. And it was um, exactly 10 years to the date that we started the tour from when I toured with them in 2009. Okay. There's like this like 10 year anniversary and. um so yeah, it was us, Toxic Holocaust, and I had played with them a bunch in when I was younger. And so it was literally like a bunch of best friends on a tour bus. And um, and yeah, and we were playing in front of like, you know, maybe max capacity was like 1,800 some shows um, all across Europe. Um, and there's like over a 1,000 people every night. So like one of the biggest tours I've done. And then like some of the shows like, at least like 400 people would be chanting Chris, Steve, you know, when I did my little drum solo, and like, it was a very special moment for me because I had already toured Europe a bunch of times with Cauldron and been on one of their records, and then same with uh, Skullfist, and then same now with Enforcer. So with all three bands, I've probably toured Europe like like over a dozen times for sure but in front of the same people because they're all fans of all three of those bands, you know? And like, when it comes to the new wave of British heavy metal, they're probably like the three biggest bands in that scene. So everybody knows who I am in that scene. So it was like really special to like play shows where like everybody knew, Oh, that's the drummer from cauldron Skullfist, and enforcer, like some of my favorite records of all time, you know, for some of the younger kids. So it was just like, yeah. And then being with my friends, it was just like a really special tour. And then, the most memorable moment, actually, you know what? like I mentioned the Junos in in the email. I think that was like really cool to be on two records that were nominated for Junos, but at the same time, I'm not a huge fan of uh you know like music being judged you you hmm. know what I mean like in terms of like yeah, um, I don't know, it's very subjective, right so like and and the Junos too are like when you go to the Junos, they're very like. Posh and like I don't know, it's it's not, not really not something for guys. an ungroomed
0: <laughs> metal drummer to be at.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But to be like nominated for an award like that for two records that I've been on with two different bands, that was that's been a really cool feeling, you know. And because there was an yeah. article that was written saying like it was in the Ottawa Citizen and it was like, um, well, maybe the the two records had something to do with the drummer, you know? So it was just like a really <laughs> cool thing to to have been a part of, but I think the most memorable moment now that we're talking about it was, um, when at the end of that tour, we were in Berlin and there's a photo that I put on Instagram, but everybody at the end of the tour, uh, for the last tour photo, um, they were like three, two, one, and everybody went Stevenson because <laughs> I'm a very clumsy guy. And I was the dude that would like sleep in past load in. Um, I would get too drunk after the show and like knock over the catering, you know, just shit like that. And like, so our tour manager is named Schlumpf. And he was like always on my ass, but in like a loving way. And like, he would wake everybody up in the morning at like 8am being like, Stevenson, you know, he's this like angry (laughs) German guy. So it just became the tour joke. But like everybody did that for the last photo. So it was, very special, I'd say.
0: Nice, yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Like yeah. whenever you said that there was a group of like, like, you know, all these people that knew who you were, I was like, wow, there's like, there's a place on Earth where everybody knows who the drummer is. Exactly. <laughs> the drummer is important. That's why it was like sometimes. so mind
2: blowing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, still didn't crazy. make into any pictures on the tour, though.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then when you go into the audience, they still don't get your autograph. <laughs> you know, they're like <laughs> yeah. all off yeah. after the singer yeah. and. <laughs>
0: Yeah. man listening to you talk about this makes me feel extra unaccomplished <laughs> i've gotten no. one tour under our, my belt so far yeah we, but a dude warm, you but it's okay.
2: kicked ass at that drum competition. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had chris adler <laughs> pick you dude like that is a huge accomplishment
0: yeah that's pretty crazy yeah, should, should we yeah. talk about shredders a little bit i guess we haven't gotten into that yet
2: no we haven't yeah that, that's true
0: I'm interested in, like, uh, you know, your uh, experience leading up to it, and uh, I'm I'm just curious if it's similar Mm. to mine, and freaking out beforehand and everything.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, okay, like, it was really weird. I've always been really prepared for stuff, and not, um, I've never, like, uh, yeah, I've always been really prepared for stuff, and I never suffered from anxiety or anything like that before, whenever I did tours or recordings or whatever, but... When it came to shredders of metal, like I had just come off the, the, that tour I just mentioned and like total debauchery, like, you know, the whole sex, drugs and rock and roll to like the nth degree. Um, (laughs) and then, and I was, I was never like that at all, but like we literally lived like rock stars. So I don't know, leading up to that, that was like the next thing since then, but, um, I don't know. I barely slept the night before and I felt really prepared like leading up to it. But then the night before I did not sleep, um, just super anxious. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> and then just a bunch of coffee, you know, but like being <laughs> around so many amazing drummers and then also drummers that I didn't know their level. Cause I never really checked anybody out ahead of time. Um, mm-hmm. I like to use the Sean white approach is like when he won Olympic gold medals, he's like, keep your eye on the prize you know, um, Mm -hmm. and don't look at the competition. But at the same time, my my experience leading up was like not a competitive thing. It was like a bunch of friends and, you know, fellow colleagues and drummers getting together. Um, you know, and we're going to play in front of who, who knows. And then as soon as I found out it was Chris Adler, and that was actually the day before when, when they did those little interviews with us. yeah yeah yeah. man i like i was so anxious i just couldn't sleep and then as soon as i saw you fucking drum Derek, i was like oh my god i just like i was like tapping my heels like i want to go home i want to go home
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's funny because i um i i what you were saying about you know don't check out the competition i was i kind of did that and i kind of didn't so i saw i saw some like audition videos and i saw your audition video and i was just like oh shit like this guy's good like (laughs) and my goal was like you know I just want to get like I had played the um the backing track and I was like really happy with what I came up with and I was like you know I just want to get a chance to play that and kind of show what I can do and then then you know whatever I can get I can get booted out and I'm happy and um I remember I saw your audition tape and I was like oh shit okay and then I told my girlfriend at the time I was like you know like as long as I'm not against this guy in the first round like I think I got a good chance (laughs) and then of course like they yeah. send us it was like we went in did the interviews and i get home and we get that email <laughs> saying who we're against and i was like no oh my god and i like <laughs> awesome. i was like really stressed out and i remember like just kind of walking around my house in the afternoon or like in the early evening whenever we had gotten back and i had to go and just i went into like we had a little exercise room i went in i exercised for like two hours and like just just to calm down and not be so like shaky and anxious
2: yeah. But, Dude, that's um, awesome. That's so funny to hear. Yeah.
0: And it was funny because the night before that I had uh, like, you know, I'd been practicing with everything all week and I had actually like come up with a solo. Um, and it's funny because you say that you're usually prepared for things and I'm rarely prepared, which, mm-hmm. you know, is why I'm not very good at reading your uh, questions and answers from that email. <laughs> <laughs> but I had prepared a little backing track to, for myself for the solo because I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll play the solo in seven. I'll do some things here, but I want something to keep me on track so I don't go over. So I had something to put in my ears and I had—I actually had written a solo for it. And then I was just about to tear my drums down to pack them up for the next day to go in and, and do the shoot, like the filming and stuff. And I asked my girlfriend, I was like, hey, can you come watch my solo? And so I played it for her. And after I finished, I looked at her and she just wrinkled her nose. And she's like, ah, I think you could do better. Like, And I was just like, Oh my god, I did not need to hear that right now. <laughs> that's yeah oh I, man.
2: <laughs> that's yeah, how I that's...
0: ended up just scrapping it and just like as they're announcing us, I was sitting there thinking like, oh man, what am I about like what am I gonna play here? I had like no idea. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and...
2: Dude, that yeah, that that's the thing is like even when I went into it with the whole drum solo thing. I didn't plan that out. It was only the song, which I never ended up doing on Shredders, anyways. It was just kind of like, like, yeah, I'll do something kind of like this, something kind of like that. But then, it, when you're in the moment, that's when it really hits you, because like we don't, we rarely do drum solos in front of judges, right? Especially a guy like Chris Adler. And uh, oh yeah, but it was funny. He actually came up to me after the whole thing, and he was just like, "Man, just between like you and I." I really had wished since the beginning when you and Derek were playing that you guys would make it to the end. But as soon as the first round, cause he goes, that would have been like a really great like last round. And he goes, even though, um, and sorry, what was the other guy's name that was in the last uh, round with you? Oh, Vito. Yeah. Vito. Like that ended up being like so entertaining and amazing, you know, but he was like, that was my first thought. As soon as you guys started, playing together because your styles are so different. You guys are both kick-ass drummers. He goes right away. I was like, fuck, why do those guys have to be together or against each other in the first round? So even hearing that from him was just like, well, that's cool. Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. Man, that would have been so fun to be jamming together. We'll just have to set that up some at some point anyway.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, dude, all three of us at some point, I'll come down (laughs) to Toronto and we'll just get like a, a three way going. (laughs) Have big old three-way. That will get yeah. stinky. <laughs> oh
1: man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Incredible, man. Um, uh, there was there was something here in your uh, in the pre-interview. I um, wonder if you could touch on. Uh, it says that you suffered a really bad mental breakdown during the first yeah. lockdown. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? Uh, talk about that and uh yeah. maybe uh it can help some of our listeners who have suffered some of the same thing yeah you know, help them get through it for sure yeah so like um yeah I guess like a lot of
2: things added to it um so for mm-hmm. example like I um yeah I don't know like I've always been a very ambitious dude like in general like when it comes to drumming my career girls, like you name it. Like, I'm always very ambitious, um, in sports too. But like, um, it kind of like when basically like, I've always lived a high adrenaline lifestyle. Like I've always exercised, like I've worked out. Um, and I have like professional friends in that field and, and then touring and playing music, you know, like my outlet was playing drums. So like, very like intense person, very high adrenaline lifestyle, you know, playing shows all the time, playing heavy metal drums. Um, and then I, I, like when I grew up to I was a military brat. So like every three years we moved somewhere else. So I have never been in one place longer than three years. So I have that anxiousness of needing to go to the next place or, so touring was a great lifestyle for me. So basically when the lockdown hit, um, I was off tour from you know november and december like uh 2019 and then mm-hmm. right after the um competition we did i was supposed to be in finland just for a week to do uh, a festival and i was going to stay in stockholm with my friends and then um a month later go back to europe to do like the to do a tour uh with fist and enforcer but i'd be playing an enforcer I was super stoked for that and then do the summer festivals with enforcer and like And yeah, and I was just like on such a high, but when the lockdown happened, I was at my mom's place, you know, just kind of couch surfing. When the lockdown happened, you know, I was back at home after living away from home for like 10 years and I was stuck and I couldn't play drums because I only had acoustic drums and all the music stores were closed and like, and they didn't have any rentals for electric kits. And like, I went weeks without playing drums, but that was like my meditation. That was my like form. That was my outlet for all this, like Mm -hmm anxiety i didn't know i had but i would just use it and i was like yeah very intense person and high adrenaline so then i picked up um like i just started exercising like crazy i was going crazy right like i couldn't play my drums and that's the thing that's always kept me at bay and so i started exercising like crazy i was like running eight kilometers um like sprinting eight kilometers and then doing a bunch of push-ups dips and then i was doing um the vim Hof method i don't know if you guys are familiar with that
1: i've heard of it i don't know it,
2: it fully but it's really intense yeah. so it's like a, a yoga thing where um you do cold shower therapy but i was doing it so intense yeah. you know like way overboard like showering and freezing cold for like six minutes and then so basically like i have a very like um powerful mind but i was overdoing all that stuff to try and get rid of the anxiety and like all that kind of stuff. But, and then with the Wim Hof method, you do like, um, like hyperventilation 30 times, like deep breaths. Then you exhale and you hold your breath like after the exhale. Anyways, I passed out from that and I woke up and my whole body had just like let a bunch of adrenaline and cortisol out. So a bunch of adrenaline in my brain and a bunch of cortisol, like I had to go to the hospital for it. But anyways, I suffered from like, because I just over, like you can actually overwork, like overdo it in workouts. And, and, and like, I just had like a a physiological reaction and and a chemical reaction in my brain. So this is the whole moral of this is just don't overdo things. But I was just stuck in a position where like, imagine you're touring all the time, you're recording records and you're a professional drummer and like, and, and your outlet is drumming. I couldn't drum for like two months Um, I couldn't do those tours. I was stoked on. I just come off of like a big high. I I was just trying to find a high. um, And I really like fucked myself up. And so I just went into like a really deep depression after that and suffering from anxiety. And like, you know, and like suicide is very taboo, but you know, my brother suffered from like extreme um, anxiety and depression before. And like, anytime he had feelings like that, I'd be like, dude, fuck it. Like, don't worry about it. You're fine. Like, everything's good, you know? But until I experienced it, still in like a lockdown, Mm -hmm. right? And I didn't have a job either to keep me occupied. Like, nothing. Like, I was a single dude back at my mom's, couldn't play drums. I overdid it, you know? And so anyways, like, but from there, like, that's when you kind of have to make a decision. It's like, do I sink or swim? You know? So then that's when I got the job at FedEx because I was like, okay, how can I think logically? And that's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I got that job. My students came back when the schools reopened and then I, yeah, started picking away at my book again. So all of that being said, when it comes to mental health, oh, and another thing too, when it comes to drumming is, um, I was like comparing myself way too much to everybody else and not feeling good enough about myself, but now I don't give a fuck. Like I've, I've, created this mantra where if this helps anybody, it's like, don't give a fuck at all. Like, like post on Instagram as much as you can, like every day, share your experiences. Cause it's all about perspective. We're all learning the same things, but there's a reason why we develop these concepts differently and play them differently. So we all have something unique to share. When I say don't give a fuck, it doesn't mean being an asshole or not giving a fuck about people or what you say, but So there's a difference between caring and giving or not giving a fuck. You need to care about what you say. You need to care about other people and you need to care about what you do, but don't give a fuck about what people think about you, whether it's positive or negative and don't give a fuck about what you're saying. If it's good, you know, and if it's what you want to share. So that's kind of what I've learned from all that when it comes to drumming.
0: Man, it's uh, it's really cool to hear that. Like, you know, that's like some shit that you went through, you know, that's a, That's a lot. And I think a lot of people have had a lot uh, taken a big hit during COVID. And I think this is really solid advice. Uh, And I'm glad that you're on the upswing with it now, too. You know, sometimes just getting out and doing anything like in your case, you said you started working with FedEx. Just, you know, getting out and having something to do every day is actually like uh, I know personally for me, and I'm sure a lot of people, uh, specifically drummers who are, I would assume, by nature, fidgety um yeah just moving you know moving around <laughs> totally. and having a, a reason to do something and a reason to get out of bed uh you know it just makes a massive difference i think
2: yes exactly yeah that that's it too and like you know and i know for musicians too like we're the type of people where like we're emotional and logical like when when it comes to like um to drumming like drummers we were we're overthinkers, but we're also like like uh, very regimented when it comes to our practice and, and, and playing. But then we're also emotional creatures as well, you know? And so it's one thing that I learned too, is like, well, like this may help some people out too. But at the time when I went through all that stuff too, I was also like dating a fentanyl addict that I didn't know was using that, you know, and like going through girl problems too, but to the nth degree, cause I'm a very naive guy and, you know, and, and love can also, um, make us not think properly or correctly, or it takes us away from our focus and purpose. So if anybody listening to this is ever struggling with girl problems, fuck that shit and focus on your drums. (laughs) You know, like that's what I learned because drumming uh, uh, will never leave you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Good advice for my current situation, I suppose.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We, we spoke about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) You were saying, like, oh yeah, man, man, I'm like a I wasn't working and I'm single guy, just not being able to play drums, and I'm immediately thinking about where I'm sitting right now in my new little apartment by myself. At least I have my yeah. dog and my my electric drums, so you know, yes. that works.
2: Oh dude, yeah, like uh, I have my electric drums man. behind me now. Like that's that literally saved my life. Like once I could get one of those.
0: Oh man, that yeah, they're awesome. great. I'm so glad that uh little little baby Derek had the foresight to to buy a nice electric drum kit whenever I lived at home when I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, Cause I still have it. And it's like, it's been a, it's been a lifesaver so many times.
2: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, it's amazing. Like, you know, there's a lot of drummers that aren't advocates for electronic drum kits, but it's like, no fuck that. Electronic drum kits are awesome. We have something to play. Like, absolutely.
0: Oh yeah. I would never want to play one live, but like to keep my chops up and stuff. It's, it's wonderful.
2: Yeah. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, and, and, and going back to the whole like anxiety and depression thing, like I'm still recovering from all that. It's been about a year. I'm like, I'm feeling a lot more confident and doing it and stuff, but it, it was kind of like a release of all my traumas and and demons and, and stuff like that, that I had to face. And like drumming is a really, yeah, good form of meditation. And like even having electronic drum kit before I'd be like, Oh, fuck that. I don't want to play an electronic drum kit. But Mm -hmm. it's like, no, I'm grateful now that I at least have that to practice on because it helps me deal with a lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff, you know? And like, yeah, yeah, like it's still dealing with it, but you got to, you got to do it, you know?
0: Yeah, man, you got to, you got to work at it. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think it's an important thing for a lot of people to remember. And, and, you know, it's really cool that you're all right with talking about it because, you know, there's so many people out there. um, I think especially a lot of the guys in the metal world who are just like, refuse to talk and they kind of refuse to acknowledge how they're feeling uh yeah and i think it's important to to you know have you know have a a group of people that you can kind of share your feelings with and and talks to because if you just try to think your way through out of a lot of these things it's probably just going to make stuff worse
2: oh yeah no totally and that's what happened to me last spring was i i was uh not talking to anybody about it literally so in my head till i got to the darkest darkest point ever and like and that's the thing is like it became paralyzing for me. And I, I, I'm i sure a lot of people listening, if they ever suffer from anxiety or any mental health issues, it can be extremely paralyzing where you don't play your drums, you don't practice, you don't do things that are actually good for you. But it's about, you know, maybe take some time to study the brain. And if you keep convincing your prefrontal cortex that, no, what I'm doing is good for me, like this is something I do enjoy, it'll help, you know as a coping mechanism to get back into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. like, don't let it be paralyzing. Talk about it and do something about it. That's the most important thing Just do something.
0: Yeah, totally. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure, man. Yeah.
0: Fuck. So, well, Derek, how, how well,
1: on that note,
0: uh, Derek, do uh, you got some rapid fire? Questions <laughs> no, we're rambling here, <laughs> yeah, here to to keep this under an hour. I don't know if that's going to happen this time. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So so moving on from let's, uh, let's <laughs> from a heavy things topic. up a little bit.
2: Yeah. So now that if these are rapid fire, I will rapid fire my answers.
0: <laughs> oh, they're, they're, that's what. Yeah. I want like I want your your initial answer, and some of these might be tricky and weird. Um, and I'm going to give, I, you know, if you need clarification, I will clarify a little bit, but I'll do okay. my best to just, I'm going to say the question and then, um, maybe Chris, you can answer first and then, and then Corey. All right. Oh, yeah. ready? Okay. Cool. All right, here we go. I feel like we should have some sort of intro that Corey can whip up after this is recorded. So it can be like rapid fire yeah. palooza. Ooza. Nice.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. Know. Totally. Oh, there here we go. You go.
0: Yeah, just like usual, I'll fix it in post.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Already. Question one. First drum kit.
2: Uh,
0: Pearl export.
1: Corey. Uh, it was a sonar
0: kit. Nice. It was red. Red sonar kit. All right. Favorite symbol.
2: Ooh, now? Hmm? Like, like favorite symbol now?
0: Just favorite, favorite. symbol. Okay. However you um, want
2: to... The uh, Black Seed 21-inch Ride by Muratril Symbols.
0: Nice. Uh, The
1: Sabian uh, Holy China 19-inch. That Holy China
0: is the fucking best thing I've ever hit. Dude,
2: yeah, you're right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, this one's very important. Doritos or Pringles? Doritos. Correct. Doritos, Cool, also ra- correct. cool Ranch. Yes. All right, good. Yes, good. sir. He <laughs> said Pringles, I was going to just end the podcast. <laughs> it's yeah. off. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Your studio is burning down. You have time to grab and save one piece of gear. What is it?
2: My 21-inch Black Sea ride. Ooh, you really
1: like this ride. I uh... do. <laughs> Things are burning, Corey. I'm look. I'm look. I'm looking around my studio right now. I don't. I really don't know. Uh oh. Um, you
0: got five seconds. Honestly, four.
1: Probably my uh my my Mapex Meridian uh kick drum. All right. Because the symbols, the symbols should might withstand the heat. I could probably <laughs> dig it out of the rubble. <laughs> he's, later. he's hoping, right? You're hopeful. So, but my uh that um twenty two inch, um. Uh, maple kick drum is just, uh, dude, that thing sounds like a beast. I love it. So oh, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> probably what I'd grab the biggest, the biggest drum I could carry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're running like, out. You can't
2: uh, fit it through the door. People are like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah.
0: You can't, and you can't put I, other gear inside the drum. You know what?
1: Honestly, I probably grab my computer, uh, cause oh. that's the most expensive <laughs> and has the most. Recordings oh. and everything on it, that's probably the smart answer. yeah dude, uh, I'm sorry. Just... I'm
0: sorry, Corey, but you've already taken the bass drum. Good boy. All right. So puppies or kittens. Puppies. Nice. Puppies. All right, agree. Yeah, go puppies. Yeah. Doritos or puppies.
2: Oh dude, <laughs> don't do this to me. Oh, wow. Oh, puppies. You're gonna...
0: <laughs> you
1: have to you have to answer.
2: Puppies, yeah. <laughs>
1: I am gonna go Dorito. <laughs> nice.
0: oh, I'm not giving <laughs> my mix answer. It up.
2: That's pretty metal of you.
0: <laughs> see see my dog is pretty much covered in Dorito dust anyway, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, best of both worlds. So. <laughs> um I guess we already talked about favorite favorite gig. Which uh so I'm gonna skip that one. I mean Corey, you can answer, but
1: he... Oh god, favorite gig? Yeah. Um I don't know. The most logical answer is playing Vakken, but that was horrible. Uh, so. <laughs> Honestly, Z7 in Switzerland, uh, when I played there uh, with Crimson Shadows yeah, in Europe. That's a sick was just, place. Dude, fantastic venue, and we partied all night, and just like it, the crew there was incredible. Like everything about that was awesome. It was like our third show into that tour. It's fucking sick.
0: So, that's awesome, right. man. Alright, yeah. least favorite gig
2: Ooh Okay, I remember there was a gig When I was young I was 18 On the Death Angel tour I believe it was in uh, Like Voslar, Belgium or something But it was just fucking horrible <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go into a little bit of detail Basically the singer got really drunk And just stood in front of his amp the whole time And the guitar player and I were just like trying to play the songs and yeah it was it was bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds brutal man honestly my uh, my worst gigs are the, are just some of the ones that had zero turnout um, like all of them? Was, <laughs> most just, of them like uh no well dude <laughs> uh this was like the first uh year or so that no cash started and we played a show in um, Oakville and the promoter is like, Oh man, like it's going to be packed. It's this guy's like CD release. Like it's going to be slammed. Don't worry. Like it's awesome. I got you guys. We get there zero people the the band, the headlining band was at the very back of the venue sitting in a booth. uh, didn't even watch our set and that <laughs> was it. And we played to the, uh, the guy that ran the bar. <laughs> uh, and yeah, after that show, I was like, guys, I, what are we doing? We need to rethink this. And since then, all the shows have gotten better and better and better. And, you know, but like, that was a big turning point where I was like, if we're going to do this, I don't want to be playing to zero people. But, I mean, that's, that's fair. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a big, uh big wake up call, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> All right, yeah, so I
1: don't know if I've had any gigs that were like someone got so drunk that uh it could, well it's probably me that was drunk. <laughs> no, I, sure. probably, <laughs> I probably made the gigs the worst gigs for other people. Yeah, but Corey, <laughs>
2: why was uh like Vaughn so bad? Oh Valken. dude, it
1: was a mess. Uh it was a mess. We pretty much every single person had gear issues. We had twenty minutes. Um from the time, like, we got to the artist area to the time we were starting to play. Like, it was just, uh, everything was rushed. None of the gear worked properly. Um, I I couldn't have my triggers because, like, something exploded right before. <laughs> like, dude, it was just, everything went wrong. And then all of a sudden we were like, all right, you're on now.
0: Jesus. <laughs> and it was, Pretty much the yeah, same with we, us, too, whenever we played.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we just we like, got off stage and was just like... Well, that was an experience. Let's uh, go drink some mead. Like, yeah, yeah, I exactly. don't know. Let's have fun. Dude, we're here, but... I, now,
2: now that you're talking about all that stuff, I actually can like... Okay, I actually do have a really quick story. One of the worst gigs ever. Cauldron, when we were on tour with um, uh, Death Angel, we played a like black metal festival in Warsaw um, with... There was an opener called Virgin Snatch, then Cauldron, because we were on a we we're on a package tour with Death Angel, so we were invited to do this. But the promoter didn't listen to Cauldron ahead of time, so we were playing like Chained Up in Chains, like this poppy heavy metal, and then it was, <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, all the bands was like Behemoth, Pe- Pestilence, Marduk, Mayhem, um, uh, Deicide. Uh, Obscura played too Because like the bass player from Pestilence Played in that band too Like literally like the most stacked lineup ever When Cauldron played after Virgin Snatch The <laughs> the bass drums had Virgin Snatch on it And uh, the guy used like watch batteries And taped them on his um, kick drums To like have triggers go off like crazy Because like they're so sensitive yeah. With these wires going to whatever And like I had to use that Because we had to hop right up on stage So I'm playing like it's like, like just four on the floor drumbeat, but the triggers keep going off. So the whole show is just, oh, oh dude, <laughs> it was painful. And like Cauldron was literally getting booed because like black metal people in Warsaw. I don't want to watch Cauldron. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Where are we? Like yeah,
1: yeah. Like uh, let's let's get this done and get out of here. Yeah. next gig. <laughs> yeah, was exactly. Right? It was
2: oh, let's and there go. was like over five thousand people, so that was the biggest show I've ever played, and it was the worst.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh That's wow. rough. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got one okay. final question here. I got, I want you guys to clear your heads and prepare for this one. Shake it all yes. out, and you can both answer at the same time. <laughs> Alright? Whatever just comes to mind as fast as you can. You ready? One, two, three. Derek or Corey? Derek. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I
2: can't. I, you can't put me out of position.
0: uh can't. Yeah. Uh, d- d-
2: Corey. D- Corey.
0: That's, that's fine. Two of you guys one. Corey spoke the truth anyway.
1: <laughs> I can't I can't Sorry. say myself. So I vote Chris. Oh. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> I,
0: see, I, I voted Derek. I don't know what's wrong with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. 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 All right, man. Before we uh kind of wrap up here, I heard a rumor that you're writing a book over oh. the past little while, huh? Eh? Yeah, actually. So I know it's not on video, but I do have it here.
2: This is like my final draft that I finished um, right before I had that big mental breakdown that I pushed myself to. Um, But I was also like in the midst of like finishing this and I was talking to publishing companies and stuff, then COVID hit. So like I was on this big high with my career, like in general, but probably like the climax of my career and then COVID hit. So obviously I pushed myself to a really bad limit, but this book now my roommate um, that I I live with now, he's like my videographer and We are creating a mini course that we're going to be releasing, um, latest September. Um, and it's going to like basically be me teaching the book just so I'm not just selling physical copies. Um, and yeah, I actually like, I went over this book with Benny Greb. I went to his teacher camp in Germany. Um, so him and I have been in touch. He's helped me skim through it and stuff. So he loves the concept. I've had a lot of like professionals go through it. And yeah, so I'm gonna be coming out with this course. So you'll see a lot of stuff on Instagram this spring. And uh yeah, I'm we're actually starting this course this coming Sunday. Passing oh nice all the details, yeah. So yeah, the book's gonna be out soon, finally. And, and you're, so, so my so you're
0: starting it uh you're starting it the day before this episode comes out. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. But yeah. it'll be a long process. <laughs> so my plan is like to um try and get the physical book published so that like publishing companies have the right to the book and it helps promote my name, but then I'll have the rights to my course. Mm-hmm. So hopefully like, and that was Benny Grab's suggestion is like, cause he didn't make any money off of his first book, but that's what garnered him like his fame. So he was like, try and get it published. Let them take the money. Cause they will anyway, since you're a no name, but then release your course and, try and use the promotion from that to get your course out. And, uh, yeah, so this is perfect timing for this, uh, podcast actually.
0: Great. So. so, so if, uh, people <laughs> want to check you out and learn more about your course that you're offering, where can they find you?
2: Yeah. So, um, you can find me on all social media platforms, Chris Stevenson drums, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And then I do have a website, um, www, uh, um, but yeah, that's more of like a calling card for me. I would suggest uh, Instagram is probably the best way to see what I'm currently
0: doing. Nice. And I will yeah, say that uh, awesome. when I was Googling you, a lot of stuff came up. So it wasn't difficult to find information on you.
2: Cool. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Blood type and pant size. And... Yeah,
2: I'm a popular shape. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right man well uh chris thanks so much for coming on and uh, hanging out with us and it was great to see you again
2: yeah man thank you guys this was so much fun and like i'm just full of smiles this whole time cause, like, <laughs> it's just like this is great to see you guys and like this is awesome just chatting drums
1: absolutely man we'll have to have you on again sometime soon this has been fun cool. we'll bring you in as a co-host dude that'd you be know? sick yeah that'd man definitely fun.
0: Would be man yeah
1: we'll <laughs> all right guys so much
0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know, fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.